I'm Monica Johnson with Marshall Weber, and this is Brooklyn Calling. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to our show. This is a space where we talk about artists, libraries, and social justice. Marshall and I are your, your hosts and your guests. We're both artists and we head up Brooklyn Inc., an arts nonprofit located in Brooklyn, New York, on the unceded land of the Muncie Lenape people. Uh, let's see. So today we are going to talk to Stowe Len. Stowe is a printmaker. Uh, installation, sound, and performance artists with interests in improvisations and experimentation within a variety of media. His printmaking work updates traditional techniques such as suminagashi, just floating ink, and gyotaku, fish impressions, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, into an experimental collaboration with nature and a site of discourse on environmentalism and art activism. Stolen was the first artist in residence at Alex Renew Wastewater Treatment Facility in Alexandria, Virginia, and took part in the field R&D program at Fishkills Park, a transformed landfill in Staten Island, New York. He's also a member of Works on Water, a group of artists and activists working with and about water in the face of climate change and environmental justice concerns. He is currently the new artist-in-residence at the New York City Department of Sanitation as part of the PAIR program, P-A-I-R, with the Department of Cultural Affairs. And this, I can't wait to ask you about this, Stowe, but first, hello, and how are you today? Hi, I'm good. Nice to hear your voices. So for, tell me where you are now and, and what you're doing. I'm doing an art residency at a place called Level retreat, which is, uh, it was started in 2016. I think I'm only the 10th resident artist here, but it's in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And, you know, I was born in Danville, Virginia. And so, you know, I kind of grew up, I grew up coming down here and stuff. So every time I come down here, which I realize I haven't been here in about 15 years, which is kind of crazy, but Every time I come down here, I kind of, it's like a trip down memory lane a bit. Um, but so I'm here, I'm partnering with, there's a river cleanup group called the Ha River Assembly. And they just had their 32nd annual river cleanup. And so I sent, I kind of talked to them a few months ago, because I'm only here for two weeks, you know, and it's this kind of thing where I want to. I want to collaborate with people here. You know, I want to collaborate with the place, but I have such a limited time span. So I contacted them about the river cleanup and I sent, I sent them these bags that I made in, in advance because I wasn't going to be there for the actual cleanup. And, you know, I told them as you're cleaning up and this is like 300 plus volunteers, wow. 29 locations. Uh, you know, it's, I think it's like, 60 miles of river. If you see anything of potential, whatever you sort of think of these objects that might have potential life as an art collaborator, uh, save them for me. So, you know, when I arrived, it was like <laughs> Christmas. Like I had, I had these like 10 bags full of stuff, you know, and you know, the residency is cool enough to allow me to break all the stuff out here. And I've just been going through it all, you know, kind of like this, you know, pseudo privy pit archaeologist, you know, they're just like, what is this? What is that? And like, you know, um, and what's cool, though, is that, I mean, I'm used to kind of pulling these things out myself. But to think that, you know, these other people we're like picking these things up and going, ah, this, this one, you know, this is for Stowe. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like a very, like a, a warm, you know, kind of like intimate thing. And so I've been cataloging this stuff and, and, and also making prints with it. Um, Wait, can you, can you name some of, what is the stuff? What, what kind of stuff was pulled for you? Um, today I was, I was cataloging the uh, toys, with tons of toys. 
Little wow. Dinosaurs, SpongeBob. SpongeBob always shows up, I feel like. Always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there were those, um, you like, they're like little beanbag things you throw in a hole. You know, there's like that game. I don't know. There was a bunch of those beanbags. Always shoes. There's always like Adidas flip flops. Uh, <laughs> you know, which have great, they have, they're great for printmaking because they have great patterns on the bottom. Oh, right. Um, yeah, there's always like the one lost shoe, you know, tons of left foot shoes. I always find more left feet than right feet for some reason. But, um, yeah, a lot of left footed, left foot footed, uh, flip flops, <laughs> uh, tires, a lot of, um, bottles and cans which aren't great for printmaking, but some of them are really old. Um, mm. So like an old, I found a really old rolling rock can today, you know, probably from the fifties. I don't know. Uh, what else? Balloons. Um, metal objects that I don't know what they are. And um, foam, lots of styrofoam, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of varying degrees of wetness and smell. Oh god. Ew. Yeah. So I yeah, I kind of always set up a whole station of good smelling things <laughs> to <laughs> to combat, you know, and I knew this was going to be extra stinky because it had been sitting in these bags for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I've got like some good smelling herbs and incense going to to sort of balance it out. <laughs> So, so Stoke, um, mm. can can we pull back and can you explain yes. to folks this? Um, because you have a lot of alternative printing practices that relate to ecology and environmentalism. So, can you explain the printing from objects and trash and rivers and bodies yeah. of water? Yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, I was. I think for me, the um, entry point was suminagashi, which is a, a Japanese printmaking technique that dates back to like the 12th century. And so I I was into printmaking, but I was always kind of a terrible printmaker. You know, like I'm a terrible etcher. I'm really not a good silk screener. I'm horrible at, you know, like registration. It's just the worst. And so when I discovered kind of by accident, print printing with water and it was kind of like really freeing and sort of no rules kind of, um, I was like, Oh my God, this is my jam, you know, um, no registration needed freestyle improvise urgency, you know, all these kinds of things that I, that just spoke to me. And, you know, from there I had, um, I had been spending so much time down by the water in New York city that, I realized just from looking at the water so much that I was essentially trying to make what I saw in bodies of water, like the Newtown Creek in New York, the formation of the pollution and stuff on the surface of the water. I had been doing that in the studio. So it, it, that kind of like was a revelation to go out in a boat and try to print with the actual waterway. Um, and that kind of set me on, the trajectory of, uh, what I'm doing now, you know, and I think, um, I went to Vietnam for the first time in 2015 and that was a big deal. You know, I'm half Vietnamese and I had never gone there, but while I was there, you know, one of the sort of crushing realities was how terribly polluted the water is there. I mean, it makes, you know, the Newtown Creek in New York looked like, um, really clean. So, you know, there's like, I mean, just seas of single use plastics basically and foam, you know, like so much styrofoam and takeout containers and plastic bags. But I kind of, you know, it's so overwhelming when you see that and it's, it's like, I mean, what, what can you do? These people are just living in it with it and they're also bathing in it. And, you know, it's, it's, it was really shocking and kind of hard to like, you know, accept. Um, but you know, when I came back, I, I kind of got into, um, Giyotaku, which is a fi- fish impression printmaking technique where people 
um, people who fish in, in Japan, <clears throat> and this dates back to, I guess, like the 18th century, they would print the actual bodies of fish. And it was kind of a way to record the fish that they caught as well as, you know, make an artwork. Um, and I think that was somehow like therapeutic for me. I had seen like these huge fish kills in Vietnam, you know, 60 tons of dead fish. And, um, yeah, it was so, um, so disheartening, but I, you know, I kind of came back like trying to deal with that through art and because I don't really fish, you know, I, I, but I do fish out garbage. (laughs) I started to kind of, uh, do that same idea, which is inking, inking the fish or the object and sort of rubbing out a print, um, using the textures of that object and the similarities between kind of capturing the, um, textures of things like styrofoam and the scales of a fish, you know, were really kind of apparent as soon as I started doing that. And I think, you know, for me, I kind of, I'm like a prolific artist, but I kind of move really slowly through ideas in a way, you know, it's like years, I'm just kind of like pushing through these ideas. And so, but I get really obsessed. So I've been super obsessed with this the past couple of years and it's turned into a printmaking practice that um, is about indexing kind of like the, you know, these like castaway objects from society, from lives, you know, and it in a way becomes some kind of, I don't know, like a pictorial writing system or something, you know, it's like a image based, um, abstract language that's in some way documenting these things that we all, you know, know and know that it get thrown out, but like kind of can ignore because it's usually, you know, nestled in a shoreline along a body of water that people don't really go to. So, um, I just, can we talk about how gross that is? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like, it's like, I know you, I've known you long enough and I know your work long enough and, and I've seen it and it looks, there's so much beauty in it, but you know, I think we're just kind of like, like, I'm like, my face is all screwed up. Like, ew, man, <laughs> you know, like, I, and it makes, yeah. I mean, how, what is that like? Are you, you, you're print, are you actually printing with dead fish that are all stinky? And like, what is your body's relationship to all this trash that se- sounds like you're saying this is your, these are your tools for, for your art practice. And yeah. Like, I don't know. Do you feel like, do you have to get special shots before you go to your residency? Like, how do you care for yourself within <laughs> these polluted landscapes, you know, because you are, I mean, you mm. are on the front lines of this stuff by choice. Um, yeah. I mean, in some ways we're not, but this is your chosen practice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's real. I, you know, I think I, I don't get special shots, but I, you know, <laughs> I, I do, <laughs> I do, um, I do wear, you know, thick chemical gloves when dealing with things. I do wear a respirator if, if I'm out, um, if I'm out at the site, you know, on the water and stuff. But, um, you know, for the most part, yeah, it's just being super, super careful. I feel like I'm always working sort of slowly and methodically and really mindfully. Cause you know, you don't want to, I don't know, like touch your mouth or like, you know, like kind of, um, yeah, even just touch your face at all or, you know, like, so I, I think when I'm working, I'm like trying to be super mindful of what I'm doing and not, um, put myself in any danger, especially if I'm like, say on a boat in the middle of, you know, a super fun site, I've never knock on wood fallen into the water, but you know, that's the kind of thing that could happen. When you think about what traditional printmakers use and their materials, it's, I, I can't imagine that it's less toxic than the types <laughs> yeah. of things that you're using. But like, that's true. you know, you may have arguably like a safer practice because of the, the cultural stigma of like what trash is and what pollution is and what dead mm. fish implicate. So. Yeah. 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 That's kind of true, actually. I mean, the acids that people use for etching and, you know, I mean, I've known, we, we all know people who've had respiratory illnesses from etching and, and, you know, the, the hazards of the artist's vocation are real. Um, Well, it's, it's interesting because, um, 
there's such a holistic kind of approach in your work. I mean, mm. part of those dead fish and that pollution is from papermaking and printmaking facilities. That's right. 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 Um, mm -hmm. but, but I wanted to put a few images in the viewer's minds to kind of explain what Stowe is doing. So w with Sumanagashi, typically people are working um, with what is in the European parlance, marbling, right? So you're, you're, you're mm -hmm. floating ink on water and then you're dipping the paper into that water and you're pulling up the ink. So with Stowe, what you have to imagine is that here's Stowe and he's, let's say, in Queens on Newtown Creek, which is, uh, it's part of a Superfund or near a Superfund site. It's an incredibly polluted body of water between Queens and Brooklyn. Yeah. And there's so much oil refuse stuff floating on the river that Stowe can dip a piece of paper in to the river and pull out an image. The paper attracts the oils. And I find this like completely amazing um, that you can, that, that the beauty of that print reflects this kind of nightmare. And this is a body of water that I know fairly well. I used to live near it. And there's signs by it that say, it's just like, don't go in the water, don't eat fish you get from water. But I recall yeah. one sign that I, just remains etched in my mind that said, if you get water from the creek on your skin, go and wash it off immediately with clean water. Jeez. Jeez. It's an actual and sign. Yeah. I'm seeing a picture of Stowe on, on, his, mm. on your website right now, pulling a print from yeah. what might be the Newtown Creek, but you're like, I even think your feet have plastic bags on it or something and your hands are have rubber gloves on it and you're smiling sure. and it's beautiful. Yeah. 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 I mean, there is that. I mean, I think that the dichotomy between like terrible beauty, you know, that's always been sort of fascinating to find the making something beautiful out of beauty out of some beautiful out of something so horrible, mm. um, you know, this other piece that you did is you did these huge scrolls where you were printing with all these objects that were pulled from waterways. And they're, they're really beautiful and they kind of reminded me of the work of the Chinese artist Yu Bing and other artists who do these giant scroll works, which is, you know, you have contemporary Chinese and many antiquity Asian artists using these giant scrolls. But it was very interesting. I saw, oh, this is really beautiful. And there were the language elements you talked talked about before. But then at a certain moment, I was looking at it and I was going, I had this realization that, wait, the, the, this is like literally a river of trash. Like all this stuff represents stuff that have been pulled out of a body of water somewheres. And, and so it's almost like even in looking at your work, the audience, the reader is like flipped back and forth between this contrast. And I know that you are really aware of this. And I know that you have a whole theoretical kind of construct behind this as well as an activist orientation. So can you talk about what I know you have called yourself a hydrofeminist? So I wonder if you could talk about that more theoretical relationship to this material practice you have. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think, um, <clears throat> I think for me, it, my journey to, to, to back to home, to Vietnam, to Asia had a huge impact on me on many levels. One of them was kind of really reclaiming that part of my identity, which I hadn't really wrestled with really my whole life until really kind of stepping foot on in Vietnam again again, for the first time, right? It's like, I've like grown up with the culture, but never having been there. And so that hit me across the head and in, in a really powerful way. And I think through that reclaiming of my Asian identity, leaning into Asian aesthetics and like, you know, going back and looking at these old printmaking techniques that come from Asia and just really kind of like naturally falling into that and then wanting to subvert it. Um, were, that was a really like conscious decisions for me, but I think what what was surprising was um, like how over time 
I started to see how the water was actually leading me, you know, like it, it was like, okay, it was the theme of the work. And I began calling it my collaborator, you know, and, and I began to like understand by floating down a river, how you have to improvise, you know, you have to like take the bend, you know, you, you got to float with it. Right. And you've got to like be prepared for that. Um, so that, you know, you don't flip the boat or whatever. And so in spending more and more time in water, dealing with the sort of unexpectedness of traversing these waterways, um, that are dangerous, you know, and, um, and so I think I was learning how to improvise. I was learning how to kind of act urgently. I was learning how to really trust the process of intuition. And the more I was allowing myself and acknowledging water as the sort of, um, you know, spirit, if you will, you, you know, like the more I was acknowledging this connection to it, the more I was able to understand about my heritage, the more I was able to kind of be fluid in, in art making, you know, in this way that beyond printmaking, I definitely worked in these other mediums and to it was the first time I was able to really flow back and forth between all these different processes and see their connection. And, you know, I think a part of that idea of hydrofeminism is rejecting this idea of control, you know, uh, which is sort of, you know, it's sort of like at the heart of, I think the Anthropocene, you know, it's like control and ownership and owning water and owning land and these resources that you can kind of, you know, think of things that you can just own and, and sell and, you know, use up. Uh, so yeah, it was for, for me, like water kind of being this guide, not to be cheesy, but it's like true, you know, really sort of like allowing myself to, to follow that as a guide. And, you know, it, this has been like, seven years now and in and and the water as a, you know, medium slash collaborator has taken me to Vietnam five times since, you know, for art projects, for exhibitions, for, you know, crazy boat rides down the Mekong Delta, you know, it's taken me here to Chapel Hill, you know, it's like sort of like flowed, you know, through the work and allowed me to sort of like you know, continue to evolve in new ways. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's more than just, you know, sort of a subject matter that I'm interested in. I think it's like literally some kind of, um, some kind of guide. Mm -hmm. So, so I want to flow backwards a little, um, because you've been doing the Sumanagashi for a while and these projects for a while. And part of that practice is you make books and even before that, you were always involved with the book form when you were running the Cinders Gallery. You were kind of one of the first, dare I say, hipster galleries in the Williamsburg scene that had a really vibrant <laughs> zine, uh, you know, zine culture and, and artist book culture. And, yeah. um, you know, Bookland and Cinders kind of found each other at yeah. the beginning of this and um, via curator Amy Lusty and then through mm -hmm. myself, there was a lot of interchange between Cinders and Bookland. Um, yeah. and, and you had a few solo shows at Bookland. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and let's not forget the best title for a show ever made, Ass oh, yeah. Hats for Shitheads. <laughs> now that that was before my time at Bookland. So I'm glad you're kind of getting there. I've always wanted to ask what in the heck, where did that come from? I, I got a lot of flack for that title, actually. <laughs> From people who? hate it. People hated that title. They hated it. Did people Amy hated, it? hated it. No, yeah. Amy didn't hate it. No, like <laughs> friends of mine, friends of mine were like, dude, your work's so beautiful. Why are you using this stupid name? But you know, there's a thing about me, like, you know, I I if you like ever look at the titles of my pieces, they're always playful or like, you know like sort of like humoristic. I mean, you got to have a sense of humor in this line of work. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It comes, it, it jumps off the map of your, I mean, and your CV. There's all these nice <laughs> names of your 
shows, except for this black hole is sucking predated <laughs> asshats for shitheads. So, but then there was the joy of life, bend in the world, forming, the end papers, Sumanagash, like everything is very on. So something was happening in 2009 mm. for mm -hmm. the black hole is sucking show. And then in 2014 for asshats for shitheads. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I have to mention during one of those sucking periods, I remember when um, your studio was a crappy paper mache replica of one of the places <laughs> where you lived. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Down, down, down to the appliances. <laughs> and it was yeah. like you had built this fake home around you <laughs> in your studio. And it just, yeah. it was like this awful parody. I actually, you gave me one of the pieces and it was a real it was a real uh, can of Cafe Bustillo, but you had paper mache it and then crudely <laughs> painted the label back on it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. I'm so glad you're there for that, Marshall. Yeah, I I was going through some shit. I think, yeah, like getting displaced, having to deal with all these objects, making lots of work, making sculptures and then just sort of, you know, not having space for them and yeah. then. You know, living with your art in that way where, yeah, I just started making duplicates of the real things in my life, which doesn't make any sense. But it, somehow I was figuring things out that way. Um, that's funny. So, um, again, on the Bookland connection, there's another connection that you and I have and that you have recently been a guest of the organic art group, which is sort of a precursor, but also a spinoff of Bookland, like three people, Kurt Allerslev, Christopher Wilde, and myself are collaboratively making books, usually having to do with environmental issues. And Christopher Wilde had procured all these cartographic navigation maps from the 90s and had made collages with them and collaged them together. And then he gave them to you and you did amazing sumagashi on them and then me and kurt took them back and then we did rubbings on them and kind of did these meditations on ecology and so it seems like you're doing these kinds of projects with lots of people all the time so can, can you speak to why you have this kind of um why you know what drew you to zines what drew you to the book arts what drew you to booklin and you know the book form as being part of your practice yeah yeah i mean it's it is it is a huge part of my art world you know um and i i gotta say that those organic books were so fun to do i love them so much they came out amazing uh, and that was fun too. Cause I, I, yeah, Christopher sent me those maps and I spent a whole summer printing on them and you know, they're maps and then I'm printing these sort of like water forms on top and it was like creating new bodies of water and islands and, and things like interacting with the old maps. Uh, I just love that. And then I forgot about it. I sent it to hit Christopher and like, I don't know, it was like two years later, three <laughs> years later they become this amazing book and it, I was sort of flabbergasted cause I just kind of like forgot about it. But, um, you know, when I was, I mean, <clears throat> I think some of the first art that I ever really made was in zine form, you know, as a kid, my first printmaking was with the Xerox machine, you know? And, and I was like, Oh my God, I got one of those Kinko's cards with like a hundred dollars on them. <laughs> that, that you could get for like $10 from someone who worked there. And I would spend so many hours chilling at Kinko's doing all kinds of weird Xeroxes, you know, third, fourth generation Xeroxing, you know, just sort of like breaking images down, um, shredding the visuals of that stuff. And I started making zines, you know, at like 14, 15, Huh. with like photos and like bad poetry and like, <laughs> you know, like, and then like, you know, kind of like this little angsty teen handing them out to people that I hated uh, and liked, you know, at school. And <laughs> Wait, why would you, you know, hand would, them out to people you hated? 
Because I wrote shit about them that I wanted them to read, you know? <laughs> you were, like, passing them hate mail? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Um, I've never heard of that use of zine-making, but I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so much it's for like community. Yeah, I know. Well, Here. it was therapy, right? It was therapeutic. Here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, they probably never read it, you know? Um I would go to the Greyhound bus station and sell them, like what? as people were waiting in line. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'd be like reading material from one dollar. Yeah, <laughs> one dollar, folks. You know, like uh, which it's hilarious uh, thinking back on that. But yeah, I that was to me like, wow, this is really empowering. You know, it was like becoming your own media. You know, all that kind of revelatory stuff when you first discover it and and the fact that you could disseminate it i think for me i was wow you can make multiples you can make so many and and drop them around you know and i would bring them to punk shows and you know just sort of leave them places i would go to like borders books and leave them in the magazine racks you know for someone to find um yeah i, I just got really into that it was really accessible you know and it it wasn't it was sort of like a an easy, cheap way to make prints. Um, and then, you know, I, I sort of took a break from that stuff uh, for a while. But then when I moved to New York and started Cinders in 2004, I was really wanting there to be a gallery that also had zines. Because I felt like there were a lot of really cool books being made. There was a lot of interesting art being put into book form that was hard to get, you know, I mean, in New York at the time, I, there was see here in the Lower East side that I like to go to. And I think that closed and weirdly, you know, besides printed matter, there weren't that many places to go. And there certainly weren't galleries that had books. And, you know, that was a big thing. I was like, we're don't, we're totally going to have a book section we're going to make zines about with shows as our little catalogs for shows and things. And um, it was a cool way to connect with artists from all over the world, you know, send me your books, I'll sell them. Um, and so, yeah, it became part of a network, you know, of bookmakers and Brooklyn was certainly a part of that in New York city, um, discovering you guys. And, you know, that was like, we thought, wow, Brooklyn's got it together, man. They're like, <laughs> yeah, That's they're awesome really. That you thought that. Well, yeah, I mean, like That's we were what we really cinders. <laughs> yeah, we were really scrappy, you know. But like, we were like, it's awesome working with Brooklyn because they they're really like know what's up, you know. They we totally do. Yeah, you <laughs> totally do. do. I, I oh, was yeah. not wrong. I don't know, know if we but, did then. <laughs> yeah. We were all figuring it out, you know. But no, no, no but 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 I remember um, first going to Cinders and and looking at your little store and like I, you know we had this conversation and it was just like Ladurnia Cray. Oh, we know that guy. Wait, wait you know Bangu. Yeah. We know that. You know. Oh <laughs> yeah. my god. You know, just yeah. all these people. You know, we're like a mile away. We're representing yeah. like a dozen of the same artists. Yeah. Until we Melbourne. met each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like we had no idea. We had no idea, you know, <laughs> and that was really sort of pre-social media and all that stuff too. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it means. What, what, what years were these guys? Was this like 2007 through 14-ish? Yeah. Aughts. You'd call them the aughts. The right? aughts. 2004. Okay. Uh, we, maybe we met in 2005 or so, Marshall, something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, those years. And, you know, I remember getting shit from people for selling books. They were like, they were like, well, are you a bookstore? Or are you a gallery? You know, you have to choose. I was like, who are these you? people? Who are these people who don't like asshats for shitheads who those disagree are the with selling books? Those you are the fucking shitheads. Yeah. People this is pre, this is pre New York art book fair, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, yeah, there it was a different climate. People yeah. didn't understand that art books are art, you know, that artists can make books, that zines are really kind of a, an amazing art form. And I don't remember people actually saying that. Like And it's like interesting sort of <laughs> how quickly in the rear view, I feel like that awareness has is completely gone. I love not having to explain to people what zines and artist books are, because that was a giant time. That is waster. good. 
Yeah, we won. We won. We were right yes. all along. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Do you feel like motivated to do this work because it brings about awareness? Like something so beautiful can also have such devastating effects on our environment and in our bodies and our lives. Is it sort of like dancing on the ashes of late stage capitalism? Is it like, <laughs> is it an effort to be optimistic within a space that makes it increasingly difficult to feel that way? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, there's in a lot of ways, pretty much everything you touched on is are things that I think about and consider and, and, you know, it, it is partly like, you know, a fuck you to, to capitalism, just to be out there. You know, I feel like people are like, what are you doing when they see me, you know? And, uh, it's, it's partly just to be bearing witness, um, and acknowledging, you know, in these different ways. And it's partly because it is fun. I mean, it's it's like I'm not in a white cube. You know what I mean? I'm I'm doing adventures. I'm traveling. It's kind of like all the things that I like to do, including bringing awareness. You know, which is still real. I mean, here in Chapel Hill, you know, I've already talked to people who, you know, we've organized a few river walks, and I'm like, yeah, I like to get to know you know the area and stuff like that. And people are already telling me here, like, oh, that was great. You know, I haven't really gone to this location or I haven't spent time thinking about this stuff. So I feel like there's still a relevance there just in terms of really simply sharing a different way of looking at things, you know, sharing that perspective, bringing awareness. <clears throat> that being said, you know, I'm not interested in just being the dirty water guy, you know, either. Like I do feel myself, um, and this is maybe a good segue to the sanitation residency, but I feel myself more interested in collaborating with people, you know, like, like I've spent a lot of time collaborating with landscapes and kind of almost giving them personhood, but in some ways, you know, that, that could kind of go on forever, but, you know, I think like, <clears throat> I'm not going to say I'm, I'm nearing an end of that series, but it, but it is, you know, it's sort of like the similarities of each place, you know, begin to kind of um, make things homogenous or something, you know, like, it's like, yes, there's dirty water everywhere. Prince might look a little different, but it's, and it's, to me, it's all part of this conversation, but at the same time, you know, I need to be, I'm always like thinking like what's, gonna really be challenging for me and so <clears throat> always the loner kind of artists like you know I think collaborating with organic was one of my first like sort of larger collaborations with people in a way and now I'm like full on I mean I'm like <clears throat> trying to collaborate with 10,000 people at the sanitation department um <laughs> that's interesting to that? me yeah, yeah that, tell us that, about that. <clears throat> so you know I I I applied and, and I got the public artist residency for the department of sanitation. And, and I'm the first one in this program. It's the first time they're doing it through the payer program, right? Which is the department of cultural affairs program started in 2015 and they've done different, different city agencies like the office of immigration, the department of records. This is the first year they've they've done sanitation and it's, you know, this whole program is, uh, you know, inspired by Meryl Latterman Euclid's work as the Department of Sanitation Artists and Residents, um, which she still is. This is like 40 years later. You know, she started in 1977. And, you know, I think maybe the, I think the first artists to really embed themselves in a city agency. Um, so I was and just to clarify, in, this is um, yes. pair, pair is the public artist in residence program where like yes. an artist is paired with a mm -hmm. public or with an office mm -hmm. and that, that, that ranges throughout the city. Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. there's about three departments chosen a year since 2015 and, um, 
Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's extra special because it is the sanitation department, you know, and Meryl casts a really big shadow. Um, I mean, she's got 40 years of artwork created, you know, about and with sanitation department. So for me stepping into this role, I, I didn't know what to expect. I tried to be super open-minded, but I did think like, oh, you know, trash, like I'm going to be working with garbage potentially, you know, and this is something that people always ask me, but the reality is I can't even touch the garbage. Um, you know, I've essentially, when I first started, I was like, I want to know everything. I want to go everywhere. I want to talk to everybody, you know? And so I've, I've been in research mode where I've basically followed the trail of waste from our curb to the truck to the waste transfer station, to a barge, to an incinerator, or to a landfill, you know. Um, and throughout that whole process, I'm not actually allowed to touch the trash because it's dangerous. And, you know, and I mean, I did ride-alongs on, on the collection trucks, and I'm like, you know, I'm like interviewing the guys. I'm just standing around taking photos, and then I'm like, oh, can I help you guys? This kind of sucks. I'm like you guys are doing all this heavy lifting and I'm just standing around and, and they actually wouldn't let me, you know, it's, it's, it's union rules, but it is also really dangerous, et cetera. So I've, you know, really had to sort of like change my focus from objects, landscapes, um, these sort of like, you know, spaces to um, a 10,000 person workforce, you know, who are, who are actively, you know, dealing with, 12,000 tons of garbage a day, you know? Um, so that's been really interesting. I, and I'm fully embedding myself in this world, you know? Uh, I've shown up, you know, almost five days a week, every week. Uh, I've traveled to all the different, I mean, there's so many garages I haven't been to, but I've been going to lots of different garages. I have a studio in the central repair shop which is where all broken things go. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's this, they, they love to say it's the size of the empire state building if it was on its side, but we're talking bays and bays of garbage trucks that have like blown up that are, you know, were caught on fire because people improperly disposed of, you know, propane tanks or whatever. Oh my God. Um, you know, there's broken uh, electronics is broken, you know, kind of everything. And so, that's a cool place for me to be and just sort of witness the maintenance of maintenance, you know, um, it's, those are like probably the most unseen workers in the department because they're fixing everything behind the scenes. So there's upholsters, there's metal smiths, you know, there's machine shops where they're building parts specifically for the trucks. Um, and I'm in the screen printing shop. Ironically, I've been screen printing there. Uh, but no one's used a screen printing shop for 25 years. So I've kind <laughs> of like, everything's done digitally. You know, they used to hand silk screen, the trucks, the signs, everything. Now wow. it's all digital. It's all vinyl lettering. And so they didn't even have lights on. I was like, they're like, yeah, you can use this room. We'll throw everything out. You know? And I was like, no, don't throw anything away. You know, say these work workers about throw everything away. Right. I was like, don't throw anything away. Just give me lights. And I, they, they put, they, they gave me like a lights and, and it's a gold mine of old. There's all the old screens that they used to use. There's, you know, old photos, um, old signs, lots of unused metal signs. And so um, I've been having a ball kind of doing these remix prints of all with using all the old stuff, you know? And so, uh, but anyways, like really kind of what my focus is, is communicating with the workforce and setting up a way to collaborate. So, so far they have these, they're called smart boards and they're flat screen TVs that are in a lot of the garages and a lot of the different buildings. And it's, you know, it's where you have like daily updates, you have people's schedules go on there and stuff. And I asked if I could make content for the screens. So I've been making these video missives where it'll be like static, you know, and then my face shows up and I'm like, hi, 
I'm your artist in residence, you know, <laughs> and, and I've been asking people questions, you know, I've been asking the employees, you know, questions and kind of like telling them about what I'm looking at, what I'm interested in. And there's a phone number people can call and like leave me messages. I have a sanitation email where people can email and I'm kind of just like working on this relationship where eventually um, I'm going to be asking for submissions for these video missives from the employees and, and then doing like trying to set up a situation where we can collaborate um, either with the videos or with prints or with me visiting their, their specific jobs and kind of like hanging out with them. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, I'm really turning my focus towards people, you know, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm less interested in just making my art and, and instead like opening it up to see what happens if, if I try to collaborate with people who aren't artists, you know, or who people, people who I might not even agree with politically about stuff, but like what happens if we sit in a room and, and, and make something, you know? So. I just have like kind of a human interest question. Does the department of sanitation want you there? Like how are, how are they taking to an artist kind of being around? You know, you're going on ride alongs and looking at and just recognizing that, you know, the sanitation union in New York City is one of the strongest, best paid, uh, you know, it's it's history as taking out the garbage of one of the most uh populated and corrupt city in the entire world. You know, do you really want an artist kind of nosing around and being like, what's going on, guys? What's and I'm just I'm curious because these are <laughs> ideas that I carry with me. Like, like what how does that feel? How what is your day-to-day -day like? Does it what's the culture there? And do you feel like you were just kind of plopped in there and now you're trying to figure it out? Or is it like is the culture more responsive to an artist and welcoming to that in your experience? Yeah, no, I mean, that, that, those are great questions. I think um, I was a little intimidated, you know, to be honest, like when I first started going to these spaces, because I mean, for the most part, I would say people are really, really cool. People have been super friendly and have welcomed me with open arms. Um, my first place, and I kind of, I have an office desk in the records management department, and they've been really a good kind of base for me in the like sort of office civilian workforce of sanitation. And that's like where they keep the archives of things like old, you know, all the old, um, there used to be a magazine called sweep, all the old photos and all that kind of stuff. And so that's been a Wait, cool there place. There was a, a department hmm. of sanitation magazine called sweep. Yes. And it's that's so incredible. good. I, I want to like, yeah, I want to make a book, uh, of all this stuff. Because, yeah, I mean, and there's like amazing graphic design. It was in the 60s, Sweet Magazine. Um, but anyways, that's been fascinating to be there. And they've been really welcoming. You know, I've met the commissioner. Everyone there, for the most part, I mean, people are doing their job, you know. So you're kind of like, I'm always very conscious to not overstep my boundaries or sort of like be in the way. But I've also been like, can I go there? Can I be here? You know, like... Mm -hmm. Um, and they're like, okay, you know, you know, I, I was like, I'm always asking for things. Um, and you know, for the most part, people are really, they're kind of like, okay, you know, that's cool that you want to do that, you know? Um, and you know, I've, I've had, I've like walked into the wrong garage before and people have been like, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm a friendly guy. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm the artist in residence. And they like, you know, it's just like the music stops. You know, it's like, um, and, you know, <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? You know, like I, I, I've gotten that a little bit, you know. Um, you know, I was in a break room one time and this one guy was really busting my balls about my hair. Like, oh, okay, you have to describe over. your hair first. What does your hair look like that he was busting your balls? Um, it, it's it's a spiky 
kind of a uh, mess of a hair ahead of spiky <laughs> and black hair. And to me hair. feels like appropriate for the Department of Sanitation, but go on. Yeah, but you know, I mean, I mean, these are like, in this situation, it was like working class guys from Long Island, you know, and they were like, what the fuck happened to you? You know, like, <laughs> and it's like, hey, I've been walking around like this, you know, for practically my whole life. I'm pretty used to that. And it doesn't really phase me. But, you know, like, there's, there's, um, there's an element of winning people over, you know, that I've had to work for, for sure. There's an element of, I mean, at first people were kind of like, you're not supposed to be here, you know, uh, especially in, in the central repair shop where I am now, but you know, you keep showing up and, and I even made myself my own uniform. Uh, <laughs> Can you like describe f- your uniform, please? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's what you would call a battle vest, which is like, you know, it's a vest with patches all over it. Um, But they're all trash related patches that I've been collecting (laughs) along with the old school sanitation patch, which I get a lot of I get a lot of cred for having that. So this this residency goes through it's 2021 and 2022 for for the whole years. Yeah, it it started in technically it started September 21 and technically goes to September 22, although they said, uh, you know, the funding is up then, but like they're, you know, sanitation's cool with it. I can continue to work (laughs) and, you know, find other funding or what have you. Yeah, (laughs) that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I just applied to the Creatives Rebuild Initiative. Yeah. For art. Yeah. And there's an artist employment program. So I'm trying to do that. Um, cause I do, I feel like the projects I want to do are so big and there's a whole film archive that is on like all these obsolete video formats that I really want to digitize. Cause it's like, I mean, it's a gold mine of footage, you know, from, I mean, we're talking from 1930 up until the early aughts it's sitting in film canisters and like crazy beta tapes and, you know, but it's just sitting there and I'm like, wow, we really got to digitize this stuff. So that's a big and, project. And where, that, which, what archive is that in? It's in a closet, actually. I mean, it's, it's in the, there, there was an old TV studio at sanitation that they used oh, to it's do the Department like of sanitation. Yeah. Department of sanitation. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, you know, I was thinking, um, because you know some of our past shows have been about queer ecology and about union movements and um it's interesting how there's always resonance between the shows and so i'm just thinking about you know we did a big show about artists working with the teachers unions and then the queer ecology hanky project was kind of looking at queer biology and queer culture um and and one of these things, especially with your work, Stowe, that really kind of, you know, um, seems to be resonant with me is this kind of issue of indigenous and Native American consciousness and the water keepers and this idea of what American ecology would look like. Um, because especially with the water work that you're doing and, and the whole water keeper movement, it seems to be so aligned uh, and you're kind of, you've confronted all these kind of um, areas of, you know, contestation and conflict in your work. And it's, it's, and yet you've pulled out, you know, with your mostly positive attitude, you, you've pulled out some really beautiful artworks and um, it's very impressive. And I, I, I also wanted to just, you know, I want to hear you speak on that, but I also wanted to note that you have this whole other sort of practice as a musician um, where you are like, and a producer, you're producing shows, you're producing public events that involve your other practices. And, you know, you've been a curator. Um, And so it's kind of funny to hear you describe yourself as not working so much with people or not often collaborating with people. Whereas I always thought of you as like 
a fairly high profile person, especially in the kind of Brooklyn, you know, um, gallery and art scene. And, and you've always held a really interesting position there because, you know, you, you, you've kind of um, floated between all these different worlds in that scene, between the activist world and the high art world. And for a minute, it seemed like Cinders was like the cool gallery that everybody invited to be part of their shows because they didn't know anyone else who was cool. And it's just interesting that you've had you've bounced from all these different places and, and just the water metaphor comes back again and again and again, you know, just like the floating around kind of thing. And so, and then you end up using water itself as a medium and that flow takes you to sanitation. And I don't know, it's just, uh, when we step back and look at all the people we've engaged with, whether we've known them personally or not, it's so interesting from a wider perspective, like how coherent people's lives and um, yeah. their practices are. Yeah. So, so how do you feel about that stuff? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. And I mean, yeah, it's funny because you brought up, you know, that you saw me as someone who works with a lot of people. Um, and you're right, in, in a sense, I think that stuff is is informing my artwork now. But at the time, I think my art was really made in isolation. And then the other work I was doing, curating and, whole, you know, having a space and creating opportunities and space for, for other artists that I believed in was the social aspect of my world, you know, but art making was always sort of private. Um, and, and now I'm sort of melding those wor worlds, which feels really, it feels really great. You know, it feels really natural um, and really real. You know, I think when I, I did the, the Freak the Creek event um, last October, you know, sort of an illegal gorilla event down by the Flushing Creek with bands. We had a generator, we had free food, you know. Um, I got the City Artist Corps grant and was able to pay everybody really well, which always feels good. And that was kind of like a lot of my interest, you know, it was music, I got to perform, I got to invite lots of people there, it was totally free, I got to feed people and we got to be by the water and there were boats, you know, and it was just, <laughs> I was like, yes, this is like my jam, you know, this is exactly what I want to go to. Uh, but, but that, that was a real pleasure to do. And so, yeah, I think it is interesting when you, when we start to look back at things, you know, and in the moment you're just sort of doing it flowing from one project to the next. But I think if you're not trying too hard to like be something, you know, like if you're not trying to like, I'm going to be, blah, blah, blah. Like if you're really honestly making honest marks and decisions and just sort of going from one thing to the next, it's a pretty natural flow. Um, and, um, it's fun. I don't really think about it that often, but it's fun. Just like talking to you guys and, and like looking back on all that stuff. Yeah. You really start to see the connections. Um, and there's so much more I want to connect with. I mean, I want to con connect with more water protectors of the world. You know, I want to connect with more indigenous communities of the world who are doing such good work. Um, and I think that's something that I'm super excited to continue to pursue. Well, I feel like we are about to say goodbye. We have covered a ton of stuff. Um, and yeah, like, I, I don't even want to ask Marshall if there's any closing thoughts because I know how long <laughs> that takes. Well, hey, thanks, Stowe, so much for meeting us again. And uh, thank you, everyone who's listening, uh, to help us through these first stages of having our very own podcast, Oakland Calling. It's been a pleasure. Uh, check out the show notes uh, for ways to connect with Stowe Len. And, it, and if you want to see his battle vest from Department of Sanitation, I actually found a picture of it on your website, Stowe. So we'll be sure to set, put the link in the show notes. 
And as usual, if you're a librarian or a curator and you work at an educational institute and you're interested in collecting Stowe's work or others like it, you can email us at hello at bookland.org or you can check out our entire collection on Bookland's website, which is bookland.org. And we'll see you next time. This podcast was made possible in part by funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs and in partnership with the City Council and from individual donors to Bookland Inc. You can support this podcast by making a donation at bookland.org slash donate.